But what came out of that was my understanding that in order to come to Christ and have a testimony, you needed to be in a biker gang. You needed to be really drinking a lot, doing drugs, maybe robbing banks. I don't know. You just add a number of things together. Then you come to Christ and you have a testimony. Otherwise, you ain't got much to talk about. And I thought, wow, this is, this is kind of a... I'm going to have to make up stuff. I don't know. This is... Uh, that, and, and for me, that wasn't the draw. The draw for me was to get to know that there's a supreme being and that, that the, the, this God is actually con- connected somehow to this world and to people, and I get to be one of them. And I thought, well, that, that to me was the coolest part. So this other... I had to learn. And, and, and I didn't really lie about testimonies. I just thought maybe that would work better because how do you stand up and share... I don't know. I just thought God would be cool. It's my testimony. Sitting down. And here we are. We're looking at Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 to 23. And we're talking about breaking free. And so if you come in at this like I was, you're, you're coming at this going, I don't know. I don't, I don't really see the issue here in this, in this section. Coming to Christ and... Uh, Never wasn't a biker gang, unless you you know Honda fifties or mini bikes or you know we had those out on the farm and I don't know. So, what is this? Death to life. Colossians two thirteen. You were dead because of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for He forgave all our sins. And so, you know, back then I'd read that and go, well, cool. I was dead because of my sins. No biker gang, no good story. I don't know how this is going to work for me. And you were dead because of your sins. Huh. But because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, I I could go with that one. I didn't really get it. So what... What happens to you if you happen to accept Christ when you're nine years old? And you got this whole history of spitwads and all the evil chewing gum in school and all, you know, you got that going and, and maybe lying to somebody once in a while. So, you know, what are your sins? What, what is it that you're breaking away from? How serious can you take this? And I say that seriously. How seriously can you take this? Because if you come at this and you didn't get free from much, then you think it's pretty, you know, it's, it's not all that important, is it? I, I'm not freed from anything. I, didn't, I never had any of those problems. I, really, I am a benefit to Jesus. <laughs> he is lucky to get me. Anybody ever been there? Yeah, I, I don't violate any of those Ten Commandments. I, he is lucky to get me. That's not what this says. This says there's some kind of problem. And that problem is serious. Serious enough that the Son of God came and died. 
So what kind of thing could that be? And that's what Paul's addressing here. You were dead. And, and you realize that dead means not alive, right? So if you're not alive, you, you aren't able to spiritually function. You cannot connect with the full world in which you live. If this world has a spiritual aspect and you don't connect with it, you are not alive. There are scientists who say what we need to do, because science is the ultimate and all knowledge comes from them, so scientists are offering us explanations for everything. And science says they take everything into consideration. They put it all in and they look at all aspects in order to give us the truth, the real story. We are leaning on them for this. And many of them don't allow for a spiritual reality at all. So how is that all being considered? How do you explain the world in which we live? Nature? Geography? Politics? How do you explain it if you cut away this huge part of reality and set it aside? You go, nope. That doesn't even exist, or if it does, it's a minor thing. So, and, and mostly it's made up, people have just made that up over the centuries, or millennia, or millions of years. That's, they just came up with that. Huh. So you're going to just toss that aside without even considering. And how many Christians have done the same thing? Well, I, you know, I grew up in the church, so that's what generations of my family have done, so that's what I do. And so I came to Christ, got baptized, did communion, did whatever I needed to do because that's what we do. You were dead because of your sins. That sounds serious. You were dead because of your sins. And because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, we come into this world, born into this, as people who are separated from God, we are in need of a new makeover because we are those people. We don't realize that that all exists. So we believe the lies that basically everyone is good. Now, I don't know how many two-year-olds you've met, but they are absolutely truth-tellers all the time. They did not steal the cookie. No, they didn't stick the fork in the outlet. It wasn't them. It was the sibling. So all of us having been two-year-olds, we know that somewhere along the line, that starts showing up. Not, not the goodness. Like, I can be in that kindergarten class, and I want to share all my toys with all the other kids all the time. They can have all of the colors and the blocks. And that carries on into adulthood, and you go, no, I want what's mine. No, you can't have my car. (laughs) It's my stuff. Where does it come from that we figure out right away that lying is good? My stuff's my stuff. I want what you have, and you can't have what I have. All of it. Because that evil exists within us. We are separated from God, so that goodness... There's pieces of it, sure, and and. More in some than others. <laughs> it's there. 
There's some there. There's something to work with. God has put his hand on people. He's made us in his image. There's something good going on. Not all good because we're dead spiritually. We've got the separation from God thing going on. So that sets us in motion. We're raised in a broken world where other people are corrupt and have that stuff going on as well and tend to protect ourselves in, in a number of ways. Now, later, we, we add to the sin. So if we accept Christ at 9, which is really good, or 6 or something, you go, man, I just don't have a history of a lot of that going on. I can come to Christ. He's still dying for all my sins, even the ones that are committed later in life. But I'm coming, I'm coming to him with some... Uh, you know, pretty tame stuff. And then later, I'm dealing with some serious things that I've committed, and that adds up. Now, if we're in this thinking of, well, I really never did anything bad. You know, the whole biker gang killing people for the mob, I, you know, I wasn't that guy. Okay, so where am I in this thing? Let's see. Jesus talks about, a good Samaritan. Samaritans were not liked by the Jewish people, and Jewish people didn't like Samaritans. So that, I mean, there's this whole um, divide, and, and they had a historical, there's a whole thing that goes with that, but they just didn't like each other. Jesus de- decides to make the hero of his parable a Samaritan, which is really not the way to make people happy. So he's going to make this guy the main thing. He's going to take the leaders up in Jerusalem, the spiritual leaders, religious leaders from Jerusalem who are coming down the trail, going down to Jericho, and they come upon this guy who's been beat up by some robbers. So he's, he's laying there on the side of the road. They come by. You know the story. He walks, they, they walk around. They just keep going to Jericho. Did they beat him up? Did they steal anything from this guy? Did they kick him out of the road? Nothing. They didn't do any of that. So they never did anything bad. Never. They didn't lift a hand to help him, which is Jesus' point. They didn't care. They didn't pay for his medical care. They didn't take him to the nearest inn. Get him some food. Nothing. The Samaritan did. So Jesus is saying, that's the guy who's got it. So what is it in us? Where, where are our sins? Well, we didn't violate the big ones. Maybe. Maybe we did. But maybe we didn't. So if we didn't, how many beat up people on the side of the road have we walked past? How many times did we not give when we were supposed to give? How many times did we not lift a finger when we were supposed to lift a finger? How many times did we not take the time, use our energy to reach out and help that other person? Equally a sin. You were dead because of your sins. Now you see it? You were dead because of your sins. I'm going to take little Johnny's blocks. Even as a five-year-old, I've just sinned. I'm going to hit Sally in the head with the other blocks. There's a problem. Well, little Johnny's over there ripping off Sally. Nah. 
Let them have at it. Shouldn't you who see it step in and say, you know what, that's not right. I need to get in the middle of this and stop it. Do something good. You are dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. It's just running rampant. It's controlling the way we think. We don't even think we have one, which is a huge problem. We don't think we live in a broken world. Now, other people are broken. Other people, if they just straighten up in politics or that country or people in my own household, if they just do it my way, everything's good. Because somehow in our minds, we think we are God and that we are right and that we don't sin. There's a problem. First John, addressed to Christians, John says, if you say you have no sin, you are a liar. And you're calling God a liar. Because you are so good, you have elevated yourself to that position, which is a sin. That's how Satan got to where he is. That's where the rebels who were God's appointed angelic, divine beings on earth to take care of human beings rebelled and turned against them. What did they say? Smarter than you. I'm going to be God. (sighs) You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. We need that. Then God made you alive with Christ and he forgave all our sins. This is just... Incredible what he's pulled off. Christ is victorious. This is Colossians 2, 14, 15. He canceled the record of the charges against us. And he took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. A huge thing is happening So our sins are going to be taken away because Jesus is dying on the cross and and there's a whole legal system in the heavens that God has set up and he's balancing the books in case you're struggling with, well, how could the death of one man count for everybody and how that that take another week or two to kind of cover. So he's done this thing that needed to be done to legally make this process happen. There was an aspect of this where not only are we dead in our sins and we're caught and then we're broken and we're separated, but there's a whole set of other beings who are in favor of us staying just like that, who are helping, who are whispering in our ears to do more evil, and and they are setting up systems so whole countries will go that direction. This is This is an ongoing problem that God is addressing. Those beings, those in that system, evil system that's at work, is opposed to humanity enjoying life, having peace, loving in a true manner, all of that. And this opposition is intense. And they do not want anyone to get this thing straightened out. They think the best way to deal with this is to kill God's representative on earth, the Son of God. Let's just kill him. Let's get rid of him. If we get rid of him, then we will make 
and, and let's do it in the most horrendous way because the way you do this, uh, other laws and, and uh, statements that say if anybody dies on a cross, they they are the most disgusting. They they are this this is just a, a horrendous situation, and they go that's the way we'll do it. Let's make sure he dies not by the sword. Not something quick. Let's and and let's let's run him through some human courts and some religious courts so we can really really rip him apart. Let's do that. And they get to mock him and laugh and enjoy what they're seeing as Jesus is tortured, as he's nailed to the cross, and as he dies. What they don't realize is that that's exactly what he was there for. Because that was the solution to this huge problem. He dies on the cross and he changes this for humanity. Now he's going to change things for, for people for all time. That is the event in history that changes everything. But they're watching. These beings are watching. Satan is watching. They know what's unfolding. I mean, they, they see him dying. They don't know what he's going to accomplish. That's where we get 14 and 15. He canceled the record of the charges against us. And then that's just imagery, what they did with the people on the cross as a Roman legal thing. They would make a list and say, here are the sins, the charges, and why you are nailed to this cross. So the imagery is for each of us, we have our list of sins. Things we've done, things we should have done and we didn't do, all of it. Nailed. That list is nailed to Jesus' cross. The blood dripping down on, those, on that list. And it is paid for by his death, by his suffering, by what he did. And those spiritual rulers and authorities are observing that. And then they recognize they have not won. They didn't win. They thought they had pulled it off, the ultimate, in killing the Son of God. He canceled the record of the charges against us. They can't come. We are told that the devil is is a liar, that Satan, uh, the name Satan is accuser. So he comes to accuse us, to bring up anything against us, any legitimate sin, but he also will make up things and lie to us, so we get it from all angles. And right here, right now, he canceled the record of the charges, but he can't bring them up. He can't bring them up anymore. Those are gone. They, they're not weighting us down. He took it, took it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the spiritual rulers in authority. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. What public knew that these unseen spiritual powers were there? You never hear it from Mary or the Romans or what public? There's a whole angelic crowd. Remember he said he could call thousands of them at any time. Jesus. Those were there. They're, they're on hand. They're, they're, they're back up. But they're watching this. 
Because they don't know all of this is happening either. Why all of this is happening. God hasn't told everybody. This is unfolding before them. And they're watching. They're sneering on one side. There's cheering on the other side. And it's the cheers get louder and louder and louder. And Jesus on the cross says, forgive them. Forgive them. He calls on his father. He turns to him. He leans on him through this intense time. He looks out for other people, his mom. He looks out for John. He is gracious to the thief on the cross next to him. All of those things are unfolding, and these guys are watching this going, this isn't the way we thought this would go. He has victory over them all. And in that victory, we have victory because those sins have been dealt with. That list, the one that maybe you run through your head periodically, has been dealt with. That sin that was on that list is gone because of him. He paid the price. Shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. You could hear the shrieks. So there's a reality check, 1617. Paul goes on, and he's, he's trying to address, how, how does this work? You know, how, how do we live with this as, as believers? And, and remember, the, he's not met these people. The, these are the people in Colossae. They've come, through, come to Christ through another, but he's trying to give them instruction, tell them what's happened, and the behind-the-scenes thing, like the spiritual rulers and authorities. But that's all because all of this other stuff fits into that. How we believe and how we perceive the world around us uh, impacts how we live, what our behaviors are, how we uh, see ourselves, what our attitudes are, what words we use, all of it. So sixteen, seventeen. so don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you. So there are certain... And, and these guys are coming out of a... Uh, their holidays, their festivals, their, their celebrations are for those who are worshiping Zeus and Apollo and Athena, and they have a whole different set of gods and days that they worship and ways that they worship. And there are festivals that are, uh, from our perspective, totally immoral and gluttonous, and they are engaged in that. They're used to that. They, they grew up, that's how grandma did it. That's, that's what we do as a family. That's, that's life. And then Jesus shows up. And this is a few years after his death, burial, resurrection. So we're not that far down the road. And they're going, we've got to live different. There's also Jewish impact. So what do we do with the worship of uh, 
the, the practices that we had with Passover and Sabbath and certain different aspects of Jewish life. What do we do with, with that? And Paul's coming at this thing, well, those, those things exist, and the Jewish ones are definitely shadows. They're not, they're not the real thing. Even the tabernacle or the temple weren't, weren't the final thing. And the temple still existed in Jerusalem at this time. Those were not the ultimate. What Paul's saying is these are shadows. These, these are copies. They, they help. They can be helpful. But they are not the final thing. But the issue is don't let anyone condemn you about these things. So, all right, where, how do we deal with that? Because you're going to hear it from family. You're going to, you're going to celebrate your holidays differently than they celebrate their holidays. You're going to have a different involvement uh, for festivals and celebrations than, their, than the way they do things. And sometimes you're going to feel like, uh, and maybe from a Jewish perspective, you're going, well, I need to really reconsider because, you know, they've known God a whole lot longer than the rest of us. So I, I'm feeling guilty. I feel guilty not doing it their way. So what happens when you feel condemned and you take that in? You got guilt. You go, well, I f- I'm feeling like, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I want to do it right. I want to, I, and I want to, I want to please people, you know, the family, and and my community. And and now I'm trying to walk with Jesus, and this is taking me a different direction. And that's where he's going. Don't let anyone condemn you. So does that mean you really need to just get in their face and explain how things are? I don't think that's how Jesus would do this. What he's talking about is what do you do internally? How do you do this? How do you walk with Jesus and let people say what they want to say? Your sins have been forgiven. You are a new person in Christ. You no longer have to buckle under false guilt, false accusations, false ways of living spiritually. No more. Done. Over. It can be the other gods or it can be the Jewish methods. Doesn't matter. Don't let them condemn you. You go walk with Jesus, who has set you free, not only from the earthly version of this and your sin and your sinful nature, but from the spiritual deities who want to take you down. Don't let them condemn you. What is it that Satan does? Accuses. What does that create? Guilt. Where does that drive you? Well, I'll just give in. I must have to go ahead and do this. You've just been manipulated by the darkest being there is. And then wonder afterwards why you don't feel so good about it. And you gave in again. And it happens next year when the next festival shows up. And he said, you don't have to do that. Don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink. All, all of that. All these ceremonies and things, there's a place for them. There's, and there's a way to celebrate them. Just uh, 
Go with the ones that, that the Lord has brought along and don't let anybody condemn you. Don't take that in. You are set free. It's part of this process. So, control the tricks. This is verse 18. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying that, that they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud. So, he's repeated, don't let anyone condemn you. That's up to us. We choose that. We choose to walk with Jesus in such a way that we live free. It doesn't mean we yell at anybody. We don't have to be mad at anybody. We're just going to live free in him. And we're not going to feel the guilt and give in and go, well, I have to do that another holiday that way because that's how we've always done it. He goes, well, uh, I, I set you free for a reason. How about living free? Now, freedom from those things. So, there's pious self-denial. You know, if you're really spiritual, so this is a good one. You're really spiritual, you will be a fruititarian. You will stop eating meat. And a fruititarian, I'm stealing this from a movie. (laughs) Fruititarian... This is so I don't have to say, you know, vegetarians and vegans. Fruititarians are, the fruit has, to, you can't pick it because that hurts the plant. So if you're going to be spiritual and, and you need to be pious about this, you have to wait till that fruit drops on the ground. It has to, the plant has to release the fruit. Then you can eat that and only that. And you have to get it before it rots, of course, because, you know, you've got to be healthy. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial. Not going to eat french fries, not going to eat burgers. Only fruit that has freely fallen from whatever plant it is. Sounds goofy, doesn't it? And how many of those things have we done? And then if somebody comes after us and says, well, you know, uh, I don't do that. You know, I am, I am pious. I don't have a TV in my house. You run into that one? I don't have a TV. That is evil. That is letting Satan in your living room. I can't believe you watch TV. Because not only am I pious, I'm going to let you know you are condemned because you have a TV. Ever heard the one where Pious Jesus followers always take the shopping cart back to the corral. Seriously, that's a big one. And there are people who will condemn you. Is it nice to take the cart back? Sure. Is there any problem watching TV? Well, some things maybe, but no. So what is it that we allow people to do? Well, they can make us mad if they pull that long enough. But we also just let the condemnation enter in. And you go, <laughs> it's like water off a duck's back. Jesus has set me free. I'm going to live free. And you can go do that fruit thing all you want. And I'll see you down at Whataburger. Because that's where I'm going to be. And I'm going to get a double. So 
Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial. Then we got the worship of angels. Okay. What if... And, there, and there's a whole Greek philosophy also from, from their side that would include this self-denial thing. But Christians have done it, and I, I was just trying to pull that in. But the worship of angels becomes a part of this because how can we get higher information? Because you're not listening to me. So, And remember, there's no New Testament, so they don't have any of that to work with. What can I do, what can I use to convince you to condemn you sufficiently so that you do what I want. What can I use? An angel. could be an angel and, 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 and visions. So that's what we have there. Uh, worship of angels saying they've had visions about these things. So in the visions, the angels show up and told me, just fruit, freely dropped from the plant, that's all you can eat. And I had a vision about it. So therefore, you know, that covers it. And, huh, would we buy that? Uh, maybe not. Depends on how, how linked in you are to that style of things. Would you buy it if you saw it on the Internet or your favorite TV show or you read it in your favorite magazine? Uh, pretty good chance. And Christians do that too. Is there anything wrong with uh, angels being out there or showing up or visions? No. Worshiping angels? Yeah. We are to worship only God. Real angels, God's angels will point that out every time. Every time they're going to get you. Don't worship me, just him. Well, if some other kind of angel shows up, oh, yeah, they're big on that. So, no, we don't worship angels. And he's not saying don't, you know, that none of that exists. He's saying just don't be condemned by, don't buy this stuff. It's not, it's not what's been presented as truth in Scripture, which was at that point only the Hebrew Scriptures, but also what's being taught about Christ. None of that stuff. So... Their sinful minds have made them proud because they want attention or they want to control others or whatever. But here's the list. It's not biblical. It's not in line with God's truth and love. Not in agreement with the Holy Spirit. Not from a person walking with Christ. We get information from thing, you know, from that direction. You go, yeah, that's a problem. Is there any problem with somebody who wants to be vegan or vegetarian or fruititarian? No, just let them do it. It just saves more burgers for everybody else. So let them do what they want. It is nice to take the cart back. You know, you don't be condemned if you don't, because sometimes you're just overwhelmed. Can you imagine some pregnant woman trying to get her groceries out of Walmart? She's got three kids to wrangle, and she's got to take the cart back. You know what? If she just sticks it up there by the nose of this car, leave her alone. She has pulled off a, a, it's almost like walking through the Red Sea as it opens up just to pull this off. So just leave her alone. Where's the condemnation come from? Twisted thinking. Sinful minds have made them proud. He goes on 
in 19, because that wasn't the end of the sentence or the verse, or or continuing the verse, uh, disconnected influencers. So their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ. What? They are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. They're not connected to Christ. But they like to run around and condemn and point people in a particular direction, come down on them for the craziest things, and mess your life up. And they're not even connected to Christ, which is why we have to remember we're looking for things that are biblical people, really walking with Christ, people have a heart for God and a heart for people. That makes a difference, connected to Christ. Then we grow, and, and they may point out something that we're doing that's wacko. That's not condemning. That's helpful. That's a whole different ball game. So we need, we need that. But these disconnected influencers, disregard. Move on. Don't let anyone condemn you. Don't let that kind of stuff get under your skin. Just move on. Freedom. If you have died with Christ and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world... So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Huh. Why? Where does that come from? You've died with Christ. He set you free. Set you free from the things in this world and from the spiritual powers. He died on the cross to pull this off. He's trying to get us to live a new way. That's what this is all about. So why keep on following the rules of the world? That don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. There are churches that set up all kinds of rules. These rules. You know, that's not what God intended. He said, you can eat all the meat. You can eat all the vegetables. Just be thankful. Just be Grateful for the things God has brought. That's what he says is the right thing to do. And he's not saying don't handle, don't, he's not giving you that. Now, were there rules like that for the people of Israel? Yeah, there were some things about certain foods and certain times and certain, you know, no shrimp for them. But that applied to their time for a reason, and God was. Uh, also testing some things about obedience, and that's the law ties into that. Here's a, here's a quick summary. God gave one law to Adam and Eve. Don't eat from that tree. They did. One, perfect environment, no evil people around, perfect situation. One command, don't eat. Eat everything else, feel free, don't eat that. They blew it. So Israel comes along. They get to Mount Sinai, and God gives them, not 10, there are 10, but 613 laws. If people in a perfect environment couldn't keep, now work on, work on this, do the math. One, how in the world were the corrupt, flaky group like the Israelites, are gonna, how are they going to do on 613? 
It's not about them keeping it. It's about loyalty. It's about a change of heart. It's about going a different direction. That's a sidebar. That's not where we're supposed to be. All right. Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. There's a reason for the right ones when God gives them, and there's other ones, and this is saying following the rules of the world. They just somehow make their way into uh, churches and religious establishments, and those rules just get fixed, and then people stick with them forever and ever. And So, oh man, verse 22, evaluate religious rules. Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. Well, bummer. Because some people are more, more set, more determined to keep those rules, those human teachings about things, than they are the things that are eternal, the things that Jesus has given. And it just sits this in a, in a direction that is, uh, is frightening. Remember the, the uh, this has kind of floated around for a while, but the, the story of the pan, the roasting pan for the ham at Thanksgiving. Remember that one? So you, the, the, the thing was the gal has to cut the ham to fit. In a, it, ham always has to be cut a certain way. They go, why do you do that? Well, that's what my mom did. Well, why did mom do that? Go, I go ask her. Why did she do that? Grandma. All right, grandma. Great grandma. Okay. Why did she do it? Because they only had a pan that big. And you go, so why are we carrying on this thing when we have bigger pans? Why are we keeping on doing things that had a reason at one point but don't have one? Today, we're just not evaluating what's going on. And it's... Human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. That ought to be pretty simple. It isn't, but it ought to be. Just human teaching. Yeah, that's not the spiritual teaching. That's not the stuff Jesus is saying. And he, and he set us free to go live a different way. And yet we subject ourselves, and, and then we keep this going, and then we condemn others because they're not doing it the way we've done it, or our church has done it, or our denomination has done it, or whoever. And you go, wow, we need to take a serious look at this because a bunch of this was nailed to the cross. It's gone. Who would bring this stuff up? Uh, some spiritual powers who want to sink us? Do they get away with it? Yeah. Do other people who don't have our best interest in mind get away with it? Yeah, because we let them condemn us over things that are right because we're not doing something their way. Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. Dealing with root causes, Colossians 2, verse 23, these rules may seem wise, because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. But they provide no help, no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Huh. So you go to all the trouble to follow all those rules and wind up getting nowhere. Because you haven't dealt with the root cause. Root cause is evil desires. 
God has done some amazing thing by sending Jesus, giving us truth. Jesus has provided a way out by paying the price, the penalty, that list of sins against us, and tearing away the old sinful nature. We don't have to live that way anymore. It's gone. We can live in freedom. And we submit to these rules that somebody else has come up with that are man-made. They're, they're from around us in a broken world by broken people. Remember, they have no connection to Christ. But we can listen to Christ and be free. We can follow Christ and live a whole different kind of life because he's going to deal with the evil desires. He's going to change that heart on the inside if we let him. If we allow the Holy Spirit access, we listen to what God's saying, we dig into the scriptures and find out what the truth is, and we, and we start to go that direction, allow that to feed us, nourish us, so our roots are going deep down into Jesus, we're going to be different. That deals with evil desires. Take away the evil desire. Huh. Have no desire now to lie, to cheat, stick a fork in the outlet. None of it. It just goes away. Because the evil desires are gone. It takes a little practice. A whole lifetime of it. But we keep working at it. And we can get better at it. Which is the idea. We are free to begin to work on those things. If we keep allowing the other to control us, to affect us, to win, then we're submitting to the evil spiritual powers around us and to things in the world that are dark. And we don't have to do that. So we get to move in a whole new direction. What about your roots? God made you alive with Christ. There's a start. God made you alive with Christ. You have a new beginning. God forgave your sins. He's taken that out of the formula so that you can, you can live free. God took away the spiritual ruler's power over you. Does that mean that they don't show up or try to trip you up? Oh, no, they're there. They're not dead. They're around. But they don't have power over you. The only way they can do that is you let them. Don't let them. God's rules are superior to those of twisted humanity. You'd think everybody would know that, but let's just put that out there. God's rules are superior to those of twisted humanity. His ways are going to be best. God has provided freedom. Freedom. So what are you doing with it? It's your freedom. He bought it on the cross. He's given you the scriptures he's provided the holy spirit put a new heart in you so that evil desires can be crushed and this whole new thing can come so that all the other can be put away he's done some amazing things so what do you do with the freedom you've been given and some of those other things may be just stuck and you don't even see them or, or, or notice, just like the cutting the ham and doing it for generations. And that's just how we do it. There's more to this, the freedom. And you may have to ask the Lord to reveal that to you so that you know what kind of things you've been uh, brought up in 
and a way of thinking that needs to change or assumptions that are made. And he's saying, something so good for you, true freedom. I've really got some good things that I want to bring your way. And we have to turn to him and rely on him to bring those things about. So what about your roots? God made you alive with Christ. God forgave your sins. God took away the spiritual ruler's power over you. God's rules are superior to those of twisted humanity. God has provided freedom. So now it's up to us, each one of us, to take hold of the freedom and to live it every day in this world. Because it's only going to get better as we walk with him. It just gets better. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Lord, thanks for dying on the cross for us. Thank you for the, taking that list of sins and, and uh, doing away with them. Thank you for taking the sinful nature away and replacing it with a new way to live, a new heart, a new way to think, a way to renew our minds and begin to break away from all those things that hold us down and hold us back. Lord, we look to you. You are the true source. Help us to identify those things that are either either from the evil spiritual powers or from the broken world around us so that we no longer perpetuate those things, that we live free free in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.